Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, Palm. Follow me on Twitter at dpalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guessed it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere. You get your podcasts for absolutely free, 99. And I tried. I tried to walk away. I tried not to yell at you guys about sports. It's been a very busy year for me. But in the same day, Georgia clinches an SEC title and Deion Sanders does the thing I warned you about literally a year ago. I have to get back in the microphone. I have to get back in the groove of it. I have been doing a thing that I'll talk about later that's actually going to make you guys get more podcasts. Um, but today, if we're going to kick it off, we're going to kick it off right. My favorite college football rival, Justin, here's here with us. LJ90 on Twitter. What up, Justin? Yesterday was painful, and I didn't realize just how painful yesterday would be until I actually saw that. I'm not, I can't even say that young man because he's like 19. No, 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 no. We will discuss it later. I, are, you, what are, you, are you talking about something in the Georgia game? Yes. We will get to it. I I promise you. I promise you. Like, the, but they're good. But they're good. We will they talk about it later. Like I they're... promise you. Oh, my God, it hurts. I'm not starting with that. I will start with this. College football has been on one. Like, it is – and I bemoan the nationalization of the product. And when I say that, this – when you and I – and I hate sounding like old men to start the podcast. But when you and I were growing up, college football is a regional sport. Winning the yeah. Big Ten mattered. Winning the SEC mattered. And now it's, did you make the playoff? But then, then why did you play? And this all-of-nothing mentality is hurting a lot of people a lot of ways. But, man, it does make every week a lot more fun. Because when you watch USC get punched in the face repeatedly by Utah, and you watch Caleb Williams possibly lose the Heisman. Not possibly. We, we'll talk, we, we we'll talk about that later, from his There's a lot of things that are happening right now that I don't like that I will talk about later. But before I start anything else, I want to talk about a podcast you and I did December 17th, 2021. We talked about a big recruiting coup for Deion Sanders, not for the school, but for Deion Sanders. And we talked about, don't think he's long for this job. Lo and behold, you wake this morning to the repeating of a lot of actual HBC reporting from yesterday that Deion Sanders had indeed agreed to join the Colorado Buffaloes as their new head coach. Now, you and I warned them. We warned everyone. We said, look, guys, this is a man who at every turn has been nothing but self-interested. He's been focused on self and his brand and is growing those things more than a child at every turn. I don't want to yell at you guys for 45 minutes. Go Google Prime Prep right now. We'll wait. Pretty gross, right? This is the stuff he's always done. What I don't get, Justin, is... The people who are like surprised, and I get it. I mean, honestly, like in a vacuum, I don't hate him for I don't have a problem with it. Go to a place as a stepping stone to go somewhere else. I think people are struggling with the disingenuity of saying, you know, I was here to build HBCUs, or the whole kerfuffle with Eddie Robinson Jr., who is swack or whatever. He didn't have to lie to get to, to where he's going. And that's that's the issue I have with it, right? It's not the fact that he as gross as this is about to sound, it's not the fact that he lied to the kids because that's what all college coaches do. They lie to kids so that they can lie in their own pockets. That's the nature of the game. 
That's what he did to get a better job. Cool. Game is the game, right? Right. What really disgusted me is when he got there, he wrapped himself in HBCU culture. Right. He got there and said, I'm here to build up. This is for HBCUs. This is to show kids that they don't have to go the Power Five route. And in the not even a month later, there were rumors about him taking the TCU job that he would not shut down. Then he gave that 60 Minutes interview, and everybody shared the first half of the interview where he said he was building up HBCUs, he's doing this for the culture, and they didn't share the second half. Literally the same interview, he tells you, I will leave Jackson State for a Power 5 school. He's, he doesn't and, lie. And, and I'll tell you what, he proved it because this is not a good job. He, he took a job, not counting the pandemic year, he took a job where that school has not gone. They've gone over 500 twice in the last two decades. And once got Mel Tucker $90 million from Michigan State. Well, there's also that. There is also that. It's, it's wild, man. He could have done the exact. Coaches have taken this. Like, the thing I think that's interesting about particularly Dion is that a coach parachuting into HBCUs and using that to elevate his status to get a bigger job. None of that shit's new. It's not. What's new it was the I think the lying. It felt to 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 look people in the face and say, and I know there's many people who are Dion stands, which hello 1992, I'm glad you're still with us. But they're gonna say, hey, you knew what it was. His name is Prime Time. I get all. I agree. But if he's going to lie, tell these people who may not know him or may not have seen his movies that why wouldn't you believe me, that's harmful, I think. Yeah. And again, he's what he is doing is no different than literally any other college coach in the sport. Right. This is what they do. What makes it gross is when he got to Jackson State, his whole appeal was, I'm doing this for HBCUs. You don't get to be the guy that says, I'm doing this for HBCUs, and then turn around and flee for an air quote, better job. Right? And, and, and let's talk about that better job. Yeah. Colorado, people, I've seen a lot of, oh, let's just shut down some of the early narratives now. I've seen a lot of people say, well, he's going to take over the transfer portal. You do understand there are kids in Colorado already with scholarships and that they're obligated to, right? There's a limit. He can't just pull all this. So this was never, let's make this very clear. Not only was it not about the HBCU and it wasn't about the culture, it was never about these kids. Well, it was about one kid in particular. No. We'll see how, we'll see how that works. We'll see if it worked. I mean, it, it has always been about the Sanders brand. And Shadura Sanders is part of the brand. So we'll see how that goes. Because it's not going to be the talent differential he had at Jackson State. It's going to be something different at Colorado. And again, the logic of, oh, the transfer portal. You know who else has access to the transfer portal? Georgia. Alabama. How about close? Ohio State. Lincoln Riley. Oh, oh, you want to keep it in conference? Okay. Let's keep it in conference, baby. Let's let's keep. Would it you want to live in Boulder or LA? I'll wait. <laughs> like, would you would you rather 
play in Boulder, Colorado, where it's cold and you're going to be miserable and lose, and being good at football in Boulder, Colorado means absolutely nothing. Or you want to come to L.A. Well, we we've seen mo- not even gr- not even good, moderately mediocre USC teams be treated like a professional team. Justin, Justin, smaller than that. If you're a quarterback, do you want to come play in a Lincoln Riley offense that's that seemed to generate Heisman's? Like it's offense that generates Heisman finalists. That's all it does. It doesn't win in the postseason. <laughs> it may not win conference titles, but I'll be damned if it doesn't get you a quarterback that can make a Heisman. He'll be in New York in December. Uh, let's ask a different question. If his father was not the coach, would Shador Sanders pick USC or pick Colorado over USC? That's, if Dion uh, himself wasn't the coach, would he tell Shador Sanders to go to Colorado over USC? He may still send his child to USC. <laughs> if Caleb, I think Caleb has to come back. I think Caleb's got one more year. But yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> That's a great boy. And then, oh. the, the the truly frustrating part about this is seeing primarily black men try to defend this as, oh, this is a win for a black man getting a job. So what you're saying is this black man can succeed at his job, even though he got the job and lied to those black children, those younger black men effectively screwed them over. But it's cool because the one black man got his, even though he screwed over everybody else to get it. Like, that's the message you're sending. And that is super, super gross. You're saying, oh, Dion got a win. It's a win for all of us. No, it's a win for Dion. And people that have attached themselves to Dion because they're seeing this as a victory by proxy, congratulations, you're helping Dion run the con. Like, you're help, you're helping the con man run the con. He told you it was a con well, in the beginning. Hold on now. And then the thing is, I'm on the scorpion side, the scorpion and the toad. Bitch, you knew I was a scorpion. Like, yes. like you knew. You knew. I keep going back to that 60 Minutes interview because I saw everybody share the first part. We'd say, oh, this is great for HBCUs. Look, he's building up HBCUs. And I'm like, not even 60 seconds later. He's building he's up Deion you, Sanders, baby. <laughs> he's telling you he's going to leave for more money, not even 60 seconds later. The How are we not? First, dog, and that's what gets me. It's not only is Dion is he like always going to be vying for just Dion. He's just so damn impatient, dog. He turned down the USF job. If he, yo, play your cards right. It didn't have to be the Colorado job. That's all I'm saying. I think that he made himself a grave disservice here by taking this job. I think the USF job would have been a better brand move for him. Stay in the South, stay in Florida where you're going to have recruiting ties. I don't know. It just feels weird to me to leave. Obviously, the TCU job, which he kept talking about, has worked out pretty well for Sonny Dykes. So I don't know. It's just the impatience of the Colorado job is what gets me more than anything else. If he had waited a week, he could have, he could have, if he had taken the USF job, USF is going to play Miami, Florida State, and Florida in a three-year span. You can go two and three against that schedule. Dog, you Luke Fickle just left at Cincinnati. Like, you might sweep. And if you sweep, as much as I see the vision for what Billy Napier is doing, I know how Florida boosters get. I know how Florida's athletic director gets. They would have looked at Dion beating Florida and saying, why can't we have that? And then they would have thrown an obscene amount of money at Deion Sanders. And that would have been a very conflicted person. And now he might be the Colorado coach for the next three years until he unceremoniously parted with. Yeah. It's a cold game. It's a cold game. Well, it's, it is it is a game that he chose to play. So I, It's a game that he asked for and signed up for. And I'll tell you what, man, 
it's a game that he's playing well in only one respect. The cover he got from doing this the same week Hugh Freeze came back to the SEC. Oh, My God. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, first of all, thank God. You live a much more charmed life than I do. But Hugh Freeze is coming back to college football. Who is Hugh Freeze? Glad you asked. Well, Hugh Freeze is the former coach of Ole Miss. He beat, Bam- he beat Saban twice. Otherwise, very unremarkable uh, tenure as a head coach. Ole Miss, one of the schools that has never, ever, 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 ever been to the SEC title game from the West. Um, I had to part ways with them because they found out he was doing some stuff wrong. And Justin, I'm going to tell this part of the story. I know you know it. I'm telling it for the listeners. Listener, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So when Ole Miss was there, they had fired a man in Houston uh, to hire Hugh Freeze. And then a bunch of NCAA investigations and penalties rumored to coming down. And then the rumors came out that, oh, no, those are penalties because of what Hugh Freeze did here. Well, not Hugh Freeze, excuse me. Um, uh, 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 the previous coach used to nut. And so Nut says, I want to issue a Freedom of Information Act request for phone records to see who's talking shit about me. In this request for records, it's revealed that Hugh Freeze is using his state employee cell phone to call prostitutes. Now, I'll make something very clear. I don't care that both Houston and Andy Freeze are playing players. I'm pro playing the players. Those are good things. I don't actually particularly give a shit that Hugh Freeze was hiring prostitutes on state time. It's incredibly short-sighted by him and very stupid. But it's just for me, it's funny. I don't have any morals about this. The temerity. To go and say, nah, it's the other dude's problem, knowing that it's one, your problem, because that's what the investigation also pro- proved. It wasn't Hugh Freeze's violation. It wasn't Hugh Nuts' violations, excuse me. It was Hugh Freeze's violations, and it cost him his good name because this scandal came out. The balls to stand in front of the world and say, these are his problems, and no one looked at my records is fantastic. Like, I remember following the story live as it happened. And like, even as they were trying to put it all in Houston, and I was like, hold on, that timetable does not make sense. It never made sense. <laughs> I was like, hold on, this, the argument as it's presented on its face does not make sense. And Houston Nutt correctly said, no, this can't be like, I know, Houston Nutt basically said, I know what I did. These, I, and I own a calendar. Let me get to the bottom of this. <laughs> like, I'm not... I'm not going to come on. I'm a college football coach in the SEC. Yeah, some of those some of those violations are mine. Not all of them. I know when I was let go. I got that date. <laughs> and I, I want to make something clear. This is funny because he freezes a bad person and not for any of the reasons we just talked about now. Prior to becoming the head coach at Ole Miss, a job he only got because he was the high school coach of um, the gentleman who the blind side's about, which is horrible as I've gotten his real name. Michael Orr. Michael Orr, thank you. He was his high school coach. That's how he got a college job in the first place, college coordinator job involved into becoming the old Miss coach. Before he did that, he was at a Christian school where he would tell make eighth grade girls change in front of him. Um, at Liberty, where if you've seen the documentary on Hulu about Jerry Falwell, well, um, Jerry Falwell Jr. hired himself to coach this team. And there was complaints of sexual improprieties at the hands of the athletic director and many other people in the organization while he at the school, excuse me, while he was there. And he freeze took it upon himself to privately DM 
one of the sexual assault survivors repeatedly during and after the lawsuit was in place. It's so bad that Hugh Freeze has been one of the very widely rumored um, caveats of Freeze's signing with Auburn was he would not be allowed access to a Twitter account. This is a man who's shown at every fucking turn to have deplorable, deplorable ability to make good decisions. And he's been rewarded after complaining at Liberty for the last three years, saying he's been shut out of major college football, saying he's been punished enough while collecting $5 million a year to lose New Mexico State. Because that's the real oppression. No, the, the, no, the real oppression is having to lose to New Mexico State. Like, that's that's the real that's oppression. oppression. Here. You hurt those church kids. They come there to lose to them. And I'll say this, and and objectively, Hugh Freeze is not a good person. But the biggest winner here in all of this isn't Hugh Freeze, it's not Auburn football, it's not the rest of us who get to laugh at their ineptitudes because guess what? He wasn't that good at Ole Miss. It's Jimmy fucking Sexton. And again, if you don't know who Jimmy Sexton is, God bless you, you live a charmed life. Because I do. Jimmy Sexton is the agent to the stars in college football coaching. He's the one who is not just the client. If, if a job comes open in the SEC and it's not Vanderbilt, the first call that AD makes to you is not a coach, it's not a friend, it's not a confidant. It's to Jimmy Sexton saying, hey, what do you need to happen? It's how an Auburn job comes free and Lane Kiffin uses that job to get a raise and extension at Ole Miss, and Hugh Freeze gets the Auburn job. That happens because they both employ Jimmy Sexton. Justin, did you watch Hugh Freeze's introductory press conference this week? Oh, God, no. I, I wasn't going to subject myself to that. Do you, do you know who the first person he thanked was? Oh, hold on. First person he thanked. Nah, I can't be Jimmy Sexton. That'd be too easy. Motherfucker, you know it. <laughs> This white man went on went on stage in front of God and everyone else and said, thank you, Jimmy Sexton. Like, man, look. First of all, I want to thank my connect. Yo, that's exactly. Bravo. That's precisely what it was. And there's nothing to say about it. There's nothing. Like, it's gross. It's, it's, it's horrible. It is ugly. It is college football. It is disgusting. But at the same time, we're all addicts, we're all sickos, and we can't live without it because Justin, this past weekend was championship weekend. And like that college like the, the, the pageantry around college football and the kids are what make the sport worth it. It's the adults that fuck everything up for us, man. You know what else makes it worth it? The ability to hate on those children as well. Because that's <laughs> exactly. what I'm here to do. Let's go to championship weekend really quickly. We'll go do, I'll save the fun ones for last, don't you worry. Michigan beat Purdue 43-22. Michigan 13-0 after, I guess I would say, 11 weeks of not looking very impressive. The last two weeks have looked like a real damn good football team. They've got Edwards running the ball with one arm. I am not afraid of Michigan, but I, I'm, the eyebrow, after last year's snuffing of Michigan by Georgia in the semifinal game, when everyone told me Aiden Hutchinson was the truth and that motherfucker vanished for four quarters, I didn't think that I'd be here saying, oh, look, Michigan's going to make a title game. But we'll see. We'll talk about the playoff ranking in a second. Uh, Clemson beat North Carolina. Boo, hiss. No one likes Clemson. But thank you, ACC, for being abjectly bad enough that we ain't got to talk about you anymore this season. 
Uh, Tulane beat UCF 45-28. Now let's be for the fun ones. Because, Justin, for about a half on Friday night, the world was going to tell you Caleb Williams about to do this thing, baby. Caleb Williams about to win a title and take USC in the first year turnaround to a playoff. And Utah said, what if we just hit you in the face a bunch? What if I told you that a team that lost to the Florida Gators week one? I need to come back to this shitty fucking team. I, are we not? A, every, you know what? I can relate all of this back to the Florida Gators. Good. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> what if I told you that the ACC champion lost to a school that only scored six points on the Florida Gators? It's true. Like, college football is weird. It's the dumbest sport we have, and I love it. Um, It's It's the single dumbest thing we do as a nation, and I love it. U.S. Utah just bludgeoning USC. Not not just bludgeoning them, bludgeoning them twice in the same year. (laughs) Oh, God, that's right. (laughs) Both their losses are to Utah. (laughs) In the exact same way. In the precise same manner. Look, I'm flashy. Look at how important fun I can be. That's adorable. Have you ever been punched in the face for 48 minutes? Would you like to be? Ironically, that's how Michigan beat Ohio State. Oh, well, oh, don't you worry. I've got Ohio State jokes coming. Uh, another game that ended in a way you weren't exactly expecting. TCU, Kansas State. What are we doing? How? What, what are you doing? I I thought my phone sent me an error when I got that alert. I watched, I watched, because it happened in the end of regulation and in overtime where TCU just refused to run a sneak and couldn't get in the end zone. They're running like power on the goal line. I'm like, why are you pulling guards? What are you doing? Cut this out. Just let this man who's carried this team in this far, give him the opportunity to, to get turned away. Give him a shot. Call one goddamn sneak. And for two straight stands, he didn't do it. K-State kicks a kick field goal. Sonny Dykes is in shambles. And I don't know how this just happened. I got nothing. Like, it, it, it was incompetence. It was just, how? You're there. So I guess it's not enough to just run the damn ball. You have to run it smartly. You, you have to do this in a smart manner. Max Dugan did everything except paint the lines on the field that day, and you didn't even give him a shot. Max Dugan was playing so hard, I had to be like, he's not even getting paid. What are you doing, son? Relax. Like, it – Sonny Dykes. You asshole. Like, I was uncalled for. Speaking of assholes, Georgia 50, LSU 30. The asshole in question is your boy, D. Palm. Justin, the game was entertaining from the first blocked field goal, which is the dumbest play. Brian Kelly must have been so mad when that happened. It made me, like, that's all I kept giggling, just Brian Kelly's going to kill someone again. I see that the only solace I can take in Georgia winning is Brian Kelly miserable. Because what I learned yesterday, I hate Brian Kelly more than I hate Georgia. It's important to learn things about yourself. <laughs> I, it's nice to know I was an adult. That's great. I'm okay with that admission, actually. Like, I'm okay oh, with yeah. not, not LSU. Because, you know, Florida LSU rivals, I get it. But I don't actually, like, hate LSU. I do hate Brian Kelly. Very much so. 
Aside from the fact that he killed a kid. Aside from the fact that he killed a kid and we don't bring this up enough. Oh, I bring it up every chance I get. And basically these two guys are like, welcome to hell, Art Riles. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's just a bit... No, it's not a bit. I hate him. But you do, do you realize that Stetson Bennett threw for 25% of his season's touchdowns in the first half? Okay, Georgia fan. I need you to explain Stetson Bennett to me. Wrong Georgia fan. Okay, so I've done... I, I've worked on this. For years, even was listening to this podcast or any other place I've talked about football, I've had... A less than charitable view of Stetson Bitten. Is that fair? I don't like him. I don't think he's good at football. And it angers me that he's my quarterback. I have to watch him every Saturday. I'll say this. Confidence goes a long way. And at least once a game, he's going to end up in space with one of your athletically athletic players. And he's going to make them look silly. And he can only do that because he's this confident. And I want to say that the confidence comes from, one, obviously, national title. Two, it's being 25 around all these children. And three, so, okay. I think he's been going to the barber shop with like Kenny McIntosh. And I'm like, his, his haircut's gotten a lot better. I feel strongly about all three of these points. I cannot explain it. I will tell you this if you look at his numbers, it's the best quarterback from 1987. He's fantastic for a late 80s quarterback. He's going to make a, he's gonna be a Heisman finalist, Justin, with 20 goddamn touchdown passes. <laughs> In the year of our Lord 2022. In the year of our Lord 2022, and I swear to God, Caleb Williams, if you won Heisman, if you won Stetson to Heisman, because you know these sports writer assholes, they love Bruce Springsteen, and they love a story. And is there a better story than former walk-on leading an undefeated Georgia team on his way to the second national title? I will vomit if he wins the Heisman. I will vomit. So I'm not being a hater, because when I watch him, I'm like, you're competent at football, but you're not good you watch it no watch sets and closely because they'll cut this they'll cut to kirby twice again be like hey cut the fuck out <laughs> you know, there was a play in the lsu game in the third quarter where Stet got flushed because he didn't throw to the first read because he's an asshole <laughs> and he threw it laid across his body onto patrick mahomes except he's not patrick mahomes but he's throwing to like the greatest white end duo of all time so the catch was made, and he looked immediately to the sideline and was like, "My bad." To Kirby, like, he should have cut off the cuss out. Like he know he know. Sometimes you know he's just on one. He's just stunting. Like it's not logical. It's not right, Justin. I just I can't. At a certain point, I've had to let go because he's brought back something we've all forgotten about. Because we always we all do this now. We say, "How does this guy translate to the pros?" We've left behind the air of hey. That's a damn good college quarterback. He's going to be a fantastic accountant one day. And we're here now. That's Eric Crouch didn't translate, and neither does Stetson, and that's okay. Honestly, my favorite quarterback ever to watch in Georgia history is David Green, who never had a chance to start in the NFL. But I loved watching for Georgia because those teams are fantastic. And this is my, this is my, this is my David Green. Except this David Green is apparently going to win two national titles. It's, this is the furthest point of wins are not a quarterback stat. This is that. Wow. If you had told me, because again, like watching David Green, David Green is probably the second best quarterback to come out of Georgia that I've like watched. I feel bad saying that, but it's true because Matt Safford is easily the most athletically gifted quarterback ever to play in Georgia. I don't think people understand how much of a beast Matt Stafford was no, no and one, is. No one, 
He, it, was, it was Stafford to AJ Green. Like, it was ungoddamn fair. What the, what? <laughs> what? That, that was a fun year in NCAA. The year they the year they got a hold of uh, my of uh, Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl and they wore the All Blacks. Oh, <laughs> talk about it for days. But today I want to talk about the fact that Georgia graduated five first round draft picks on defense and Jalen Carter might be better than all of them. That I I'm not, I, I can't even call him a young man because he's that that was a 19 year old that lifted that quarterback and carried him like a chi- like a wayward child in a Walmart. I want I want to just list off some of my favorite analogies of her for this. It's like you had someone up for a finishing move in a rest in wrestling. Um, it's like preparing to choke on someone. It's like having someone up for a finisher in Mortal Kombat, but deciding to use a babality instead of a fatality. Yeah. My analogy was it's like he was holding the SEC trophy and giving the one finger in there like he'd already won the goddamn thing. He he turned that man into a trophy. He did. It's the it's the single most disrespectful thing I think I've seen on a football field. It would have been better if he had just finished the play, but no. No, he he knew his ankle was hurt. (laughs) It was so nice, it was mean. And I think I don't think he did it to be spiteful. Yeah, he was he was like, I why slam you, dog? It's over. Like Like, I've never seen someone just picked up and held to where the ref's like, Will you put him down now, please? I I truly in my heart of hearts believe that kid picked him up because he knew he was hurt and he didn't want to hurt him further. There was no point. But that just that visual of him holding him, like you said, like the trophy. I want that I want that turned into a picture and tattooed on my back. I it's the meanest thing. I I've been around a lot of football. I play a lot of football. I've watched a lot of football. That's the single most disrespectful shit I've ever seen. For probably the nicest kid on the field. Just couldn't, just a gym. Just a gym. He's going to end up somewhere playing fantastic football on Sundays and making a billion dollars, and I couldn't be happier for him. Honestly, couldn't. So those are the championship games. Uh, they came out earlier today with the final playoff rankings. I'm glad they didn't wait until Tuesday. I'm glad that I can be free of this conversation. But now we've got rankings, and now we've got matchups. We're going to talk about the undercard first. Um, Michigan TCU. Look. I think Michigan is a better football team than I thought they were based on the last two weeks. Um, but TCU is, they got that Sonny Dykes and like, he could do something really stupid, like win bat, win, lose or draw. He's going to probably give a TCU fan a heart attack. Um, I don't know. I think I like Michigan in this game just because I think that they'll get healthier in the, in this, uh, what, four weeks off. But either way right there, I think it's going to be, I think mean, that's going to be the interesting semifinal game. What do you think? Interesting is one way of putting it. I. It'll be entertaining. It'll be interesting. I admire the way Michigan plays. So I'm hoping that they win. But I also, I think in the back of our minds, we all know that neither one of these teams is going to be. That's. And like that part of the playoff has sort of taken some of the fun out of college football. It's, 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 again, we said it earlier, this is the best when it's a regional sport. When winning the Big Ten matters, when winning the SEC matters. I'm glad that uh, Kirby was able to speak to that after they won yesterday because he said, this matters. The SEC matters. We didn't win it last year. It sucked. I wanted these kids to win an SEC title. I'm glad they were able to. 
They're going to go back there for the Sugar Bowl. We'll talk about it in a second. But you're right. It's something that the playoff is taking away. And I think that will be further diluted going to 12 is you and I have talked about this a billion times. And I'm, this is like, I, I think I'm, as I'm going to watch more and more people come to my corner, I want it very well on record. I'm the guy who's always said the BCS was right and good. And there are very rarely three good teams. There's a, there's, sometimes there aren't two. There's never four. And I'll be good and goddamn if you think there's 12. They're not giving no, these kids what? any more school. They're not, all it's doing is making more money by convincing you that you want a real champion. Motherfucker, who, pick your, you go grab a team to play Georgia. I'll wait. Just, what you the, hate Georgia. You hate yes, us. Who could legitimately stand toe-to-toe for four quarters right now with Georgia? Yeah, no, I, the one team that I think might, there's like a whole lot of caveats to that might, like a whole lot of things got to break right for them. And, oh, buddy, I will tell you what will be fun. Let Nick Saban lose by more than two touchdowns. Yo, did you see Nick Saban give that hostage video Saturday <laughs> night? Yeah. Yo, there was some shit that Nick Saban didn't want to do. For those who didn't see it, Congrats on not being online. Nick Saban was in front of, and he was on the Feinbaum show that night. He was like, well, you know, when you think about Alabama, you're thinking about these other bubble teams, think about who would be favored in a head-to-head game and who would be the underdog. First and foremost, Nick Saban knows more football than all of us, and he hates this goddamn team. He knows who they are, and he knows they're not any goddamn good. He, second of all, Nick Saban's far too prideful man to go out there and beg to be considered. That was just, I was like, oh, no, the boosters got him. That's that's exactly what it was. So, okay, cool. Cool, Alabama. Please, you, better, you better not lose that bowl game. Oh, you better not lose that bowl game. Oh, no, no, they're fine. They're just, I don't think it's going to matter. I think I think if they if win, lose, or draw, next year is a, heat, uh, a hot seat year for Nick. Because the thing no one realizes, this is the worst job in America. It only ends two ways. They run you out of town on a fucking rail, or they build you a statue. Sometimes both. I couldn't say you might get both. (laughs) Like, I don't think people that aren't like embroiled in college football culture understand. Yes, good people people with the brains in their heads, smart people. (laughs) Oh, I hate this poisoning me so bad, so badly. Like Nick Saban is. I, I, I have forgotten how many titles he's won for Alabama at this point. And it does not matter. Let him go out. You know what? Next year, he could only lose one game next year. Oh, I'll tell you what. Did he win nine this year? Uh, ten. He won ten. No. He lost two. Yeah. So how did he get to ten? Uh, Utah State, Texas, Louisiana Monroe, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Mississippi, Austin, Auburn. Oh, it's worse than I thought then. Because I was saying he's got to at least – because guess what? Double digits will not save him. If he wins 10 next year, it's over. If he loses to Auburn next year, it's over. He won't. He won't. Stranger things have happened. The, the cupboard is bare in Auburn, and they hired an idiot. <laughs> That's also true. Like, I, I, there's one game I'm, I'm comfortable saying he won't lose. It's the Auburn game. I'm, I'm good with that one. Counterpoint. Children mail in things all the time. Ooh. Ooh. 
You're, see, this is a conversation that's gonna. I'm, this is why college football is ruining us because we've had an entire conversation and said like seven words. I apologize to the listener. Um, let's go to the other side of the playoff now, Georgia Ohio State. And I want to say one thing very clearly. I'm really excited for this game because holy shit, do I hate a fan base that I don't interact with regularly more than I hate Ohio State. <laughs> if they Where thought- was Ohio State on January sixth? <laughs> Where was Brutus? I want to know. If they you got run Michigan. out of your fascist fucking horseshoe two weeks ago by a team that we don't think is very good. A team that said, hey, we're going to punch you in the mouth. Motherfucker, what happens when you face the supersized version of Michigan? <laughs> and then they lose. They're all the fucking face. I'm going to blame Stetson. It's a win for me no matter what. But guess what? They're not going to lose. I could be under center and Georgia would beat him by three touchdowns. Holy shit, this is going to be bad. All right, over, under, so 20 passes on that game. Right and good. So, so over, under, 20 yes. passes thrown that game. Why? <laughs> for by whom? <laughs> by Ohio State, yes. I'm not sure they know what the running game is. <laughs> By Georgia? Oh, For okay, who? no. If Georgia throws the ball 20 times, we, it's a dogfight. Here's a fun one for you. More pass attempts from Ohio State or more rushing attempts from Georgia? Ohio State, they're going to have the ball more. <laughs> they're going to have the field. They're going to have so many three and outs. And it's not about completion attempts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we playing from behind, too? Yeah, we're good. Oh, this is going to be terrible. This is going to be a, It's going to... Guys, I... I know that... But the, my favorite subplot over the last two years is how Georgia fans have turned from Michigan fans into Bama fans like that. We didn't yes. even fucking pass. Go. We yes. went from, the sky is falling, everything's bad, we're only up three touchdowns, to how dare you challenge me. The week of Tennessee this year, Justin, I was a pain in the ass. I was a dickhead. And then I was like, how dare you challenge us? Who do you think you are with your silly offense? I've turned into the most insufferable Bama fan. I used to be the chicken little skies falling. And in one title, I've turned into the worst version of myself. I'm so proud. It's magical. It's magical. All I got to say is, once we get out of this full body cast, you know, once that lung transplant kicks in, once we get a few new rotator cuffs, you know, we'll be there. You know, the only comeback I need to say for a while, we'll be here. That hurts so much. It should. It was intended to hurt. So let's project out a national title game. We're going to remove Ohio State from the equation. If Georgia plays Michigan, I envision snuff them on the par of last year because you're not going to come out bricklay Georgia. I don't think I want to live in a world where TCU plays for a national title. I do because that's a true no stress situation for your boy. I will have it's oh oh I oh I hope they I hope they hit my toe their way past Michigan so it's Georgia TCU so you can see the most relaxed version of myself before a national title game. <laughs> I might take the week off of work and just go to a spa. Just really lean into it. 
Oh, Deepom, you're an insufferable asshole. She didn't know that's the title. That's on you guys. In one year's time, the country went one from year. Rooting, they went from rooting for lovable underdog Georgia to Georgia being the Death Star. The God Emperor Stetson Bennett the fourth. Yes. <laughs> yes. The winged serpent god Stetson Bennett. <laughs> In Athens, they call him Akukukan. <laughs> you mean, excuse me, Heisman final Stetson Bennett? <laughs> and nobody touchdown after throwing four on Saturday. I think that's the wild what part. What is completion percentage, bro? I don't think anybody thinks he's any good. Oh my God, he's good. He's a good college quarterback. I've had come, it's been a three-year journey for me to where it started where Stetson was the third-string quarterback going into last season, and everyone got hurt, and they had to line themselves for the rest of the year. And now we're here, where confidence goes a long way, where he's going to put someone in a blender in the open field, someone who's a five-star athlete is going to get put in a blender by Stetson Bennett. You saw it. I saw it. happens once a game. It's the weirdest phenomenon in college football. Also, the the, the exclamation, Bennett to McConkey, <laughs> becoming a horror phrase for a bunch of defenses has been a really good revelation. Didn't, Boy, oh, didn't Bryce Young miss a game this year? Yeah, he did. Did he miss two? Uh, I don't know if he missed two. I know he missed one. He has 27 touchdown passes. <laughs> Stetson had an extra game. At least an extra game. And it's 20. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> oh, God. And he's back to back. Son of a bitch. Back to back. Oh. I mean, well, the thing is, what do you want to say? What could you feasibly say about it? Not like, say something, I dare you. I'm a national champion. Twice. I'm a, I'm a Heisman finalist. I'm a two-time national it champion. Could be, it could be, when it's, if it becomes Heisman winner, I will vomit. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I'll be physically ill if he wins a Heisman. Man. I... I I think you feel the way about Stetson Bennett the way I felt about Tebow. No, no, no. Because Tebow, no, I were, no, don't you do this. Don't do this. Don't denigrate Tebow now because of how it ended. Like, Tebow was a, Tebow was your Josh Allen. Yes, he was. And with with all Stetson of Bennett the Josh Allen. Tyler Heineke. Stetson Bennett is my Tyler Heineke. <laughs> That's fair. Okay? Don't you dare do this to me. Don't you dare pretend that I'm going to Tim Tebow. If I had Tim Tebow right now, I'd be the worst person alive. Instead, I've got 21 NFL players in a goddamn accountant. <laughs> who's on one. An accountant who's feeling himself. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. When, we, when we're done recording, I have a question to ask you about Stetson Bennett. It, it, it is not a question suitable for the audience, but it is a question that oh, I need to ask you. I'm super excited. I wish I had a game to play the music. Um, 
let's pivot slightly from college football to the NBA. This week, LeBron James caused a kerfuffle when he said, why aren't y'all asking me about Jerry Jones? I want to annotate the question. Why aren't you, NBA media, asking me, NBA basketball player, about Jerry Jones, NFL owner? Why'd y'all have so many questions about Kyrie, fellow NBA player, ex-teammate, potential future teammate of LeBron James, who no one had brought up for about a week and a half now, for the record. But not about Jerry Jones. Again, NFL owner. There's a conversation to be had once you read the story in the Washington Post about Jerry Jones's appearance at the 1957 um blocking the doors of the uh, in, in Arkansas for people to get in and desegregate the school. It actually helped turn down desegregation in that town. Um, but the article, well, what, well, it's interesting because when the picture circulated, they asked all the owners for comment. The only one who said he commented was Jerry Jones. And if you're telling me that a white kid in 1957 in Arkansas was a racist, I say yes. And then I say, and now what? Because in the article, it's brought up by the reporters, a very well-reported article. They say, hey, do you think that, you know, your past affiliations and past ways of thinking have even subconsciously influenced your hiring practices? So we're talking about a Cowboys team that has never had a black coordinator. Stop. Really hear what I just said. They've never had a black coordinator. And they posited Jerry Jones that as someone who's such a big advocate of the bootstrapping and stuff at all, maybe just maybe there's something insurmountable for black coaches in the NFL and in other sports leagues that they're trying to overcome. His answers were, you know, typical owner answers, but at least he gave an answer. Most owners wouldn't even take the question. So not giving Jerry Jones any fucking credit. Was he a racist? Yes. Is he racist? I don't know. I don't personally give a shit. Yeah. Does he appear I, to have racial biases in his activities as an owner of a football team? Yes. But he also seems to be cognizantly aware of the impact that he has outside that it may be as the owner of America's team, quote unquote, and sometimes referred to as the shadow owner of the NFL. Justin, I have no problem with LeBron bringing it up. I do have a problem with him saying, Essentially, the the online nigga equivalent of thoughts question mark and offering yeah. none of his own. He could he had a platform to say what he wanted to say. He didn't need a prompt. And there was a way to I think and maybe I'm being a bit naive. I think there was a, an effective way to push the conversation forward. But saying why aren't y'all talking about it? What do you want to say? Nothing. Oh, I'm not taking any questions. And then walking up the podium. Now what the fuck do we do now? Aside from throw some what aboutism towards Kyrie who, honest to God, has done the thing I asked him to do and shut the fuck up, and who could potentially be a target for these Lakers as they round into form if he stops getting brought up in the shit. Like, you know Kyrie was at home like, what? I didn't, what? how am I in it? Am I crazy? Yeah. Am I way off base? No, I don't, I don't think you're way off base. The, I am not as 
understanding with the whataboutism from LeBron, because while I understand that there was a point that could have been made, I don't think that's the point LeBron was attempting to make. I think LeBron was honestly just like, watch y'all talking about this instead of bring up the larger conversation of Jerry Jackson or Jerry Jackson. Good Lord. Jerry Jones is that's, action. That's a fan fiction. I would read Jerry Jackson, <laughs> owner of the Cowboys. <laughs> Mr. Jackson, you've never had a white coordinator. And I don't see the problem actually. What, what's the question? Um, but like what what that series from the Washington Post is effectively showing us is what racism actually is. Racism isn't my hurt feelings. Racism is institutional. And in this institution of football, what's keeping black coordinators out of specifically the Dallas Cowboys job is Jerry Jones's, some might say, refusal to interact with any black people outside of his immediate circle. It also, and I... He's also like a rich old white man. So how many people in his immediate circle does he interact with who's not his employee in his employee no matter, no matter what? Hey, so we start to see the structure we start to see the structural mm-hmm. issues with this problem that a thing like the Rooney Rule, while well intentioned, cannot fix. It never could, honestly. It, it, the problem's bigger than the Rooney Rule. Yes. And I I want us to get past the point of looking to individuals as the source of these structural issues. Because if the goal of this was to say, hey, look, Jerry Jones is a racist, okay, and? Now what? (laughs) Right. Like, there is far less value in saying Jerry Jones is racist than saying, hey, this institution that we call football has some structural things that are locking out black people from coordinator jobs, coaching jobs, and until about three years ago, the quarterback position. Went from undesirable to goddamn undeniable. That's a Cody Rhodes line, because I am a loser. Um, we're recording here on Sunday evening. Deshaun Jack, Deshaun Watson, excuse me, returned to the NFL. It, very unceremonious. I enjoyed his first game being in Houston, catching all the boos, whether it was from angry fans for him leaving or human beings angry because he's a piece of shit. I'll take all the boos I can get. Um, <clears throat> what is your prediction for the rest of the season for Deshaun Watson? I guess he hasn't been practicing with the team. He has not played football in two years. This is and and this is like honestly, we're talking about a player who is the reason I disassociated with the Falcons this year was because they chased a rapist and I couldn't abide that. And it's like it's easier for me just to just be a fan of the sport. That being said, if the if they land Lamar Jackson next year at the Falcons, your boy's back, and I don't want to hear a goddamn word about it. Fair, fair. Um, ba- what do you think is going to happen, Sean? Go ahead. If Baltimore fumbles that, dog, something has gone horribly wrong. Dog, if Baltimore the Falcons fumbles have that. A running ass team without a running ass quarterback. And again, something we can talk about off air. There is a there is a very real possibility that they won't franchise him. Look. <laughs> Look. So okay. We're talking about Cleveland. We're talking about Deshaun Watson. Cleveland is five and seven. They're playing for thoughts and prayers. This is what Deshaun Watson has to look forward to for his next five games. At Cincinnati, Baltimore, Saints, at Washington, at Pittsburgh. He'll look good in like two of those games. He looked good against the Texans. 
Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Well, this is a very unique situation because we've been recording after the game. But let's look at the stats real quickly before we get out of here. Of a uh, of the 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 rapist, Deshaun Watson, 12 of 22 for 131, one pick, one sack, a QBR of 28.6, and a passer rating of 50 53.4, which is 0.1 lower than the Kyle Allen um, as a quarterback of the Texans. He had seven rushes for 21 yards. Long was 11 against the Texans. Ugh. Well, good luck. Some of that's going to be rust, but some of it's going to be y'all paid a lot of guaranteed money for an open box special that may not be that good. Good luck. And for those who are wondering if I'm cheering against this motherfucker, yes, I am. With all I am as a man, I'm cheering as a Sean Watson. Because there's nothing to root for. There's no redemptive story here. I don't want there to be any ambiguity about it. If you are pro-rapist, congratulations, I can't rock with you. Also, it's going to be really funny watching Steelers fans be like, ooh, Deshaun Watson, he did all those horrible things. And I'm like, uh, guys? When I had a sports blog, I called Ben Roethlisberger. I called Ben Roethlisberger old old gray dick on the blog. And uh, people get mad at me. And I say, well, why do you think I know what color his dick is? Because I read the police report. And they didn't like that joke either. But it is what it is. Uh, uh, Justin, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you for hanging out, talking a little college football today. We will tell everyone where they can find you and anything else you want to plug. Uh, find me on Twitter for as long as the site functions. Like, not even this. This isn't even a Twitter is dying because the Nazis are back. This is a yo. There's not enough people to keep the lights on. I don't know how long they can actually sustain <laughs> this website functioning. Right. <laughs> so for as long as the website, as long as as long as the engine starts. LJ90 on Twitter. You can find Three Fifths Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Deepalm, thank you for having me. And yeah, we'll do this again. Man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is the UD Pod. We're back. It's going to be a lot more regular. One of the reasons I'm back is because I started taking stand up classes and I found a creative outlet helped jumpstart the rest of my other creative outlets. So you're going to get more podcasts coming up later this week. You're going to get a phase four retrospective for the NCU from that's right. Me and S palm between two palms is back as well. We're going to have Chris on next week. He was supposed to be on this week, but because I haven't recorded a podcast in a while, we did an hour and a half and it didn't record because if we do it right, cause we do it twice here at the NGR network. Um, like I said, stand-up class I've been taking. There are two big dates coming up. I want everyone who can hear me is cognizant of. If you're listening to this before Tuesday the 6th and you're in Georgia, go vote. Go cast your ballot. It's a runoff between Raphael Warnock and a man, and he's running against a man who accumulated 994 carries in only three seasons as a, a running back for the University of Georgia, um, and the helmet safety was not the best. You can tell every time Herschel Walker opens his goddamn mouth. Do not vote for this man. Vote against him. You have until the 6th. The following Tuesday, December 13th, just as important, I'll be having my very first stand-up set, performance, night? I don't know. It's our graduation show. It's at the Punchline Comedy Club in Buckhead. It is at 8 o'clock on Tuesday the 13th. $20 tickets. Tickets are still available. Check them out. Um, The link will be in the bio of this show. And I think that's all there is. Chris and I were talking earlier. We had to the show. We wanted to announce there's going to be a lot more of the comic book uh, character corner excuse me, coming out in 2023. We both had super busy falls and summers, but I think are personalized. Not bad. Don't think like 
it's all good stuff, but just busy stuff. So I think we're both hitting a good stride, work, life, pod balance. So we're going to get a lot more content in the new year. I, for one, am recommitted to this podcast. It's also the place where I do whatever the hell I want, which is why you're getting MCU later this week, which is why you're getting more sports on Sunday, and which is why you're going to get whatever the hell else I do next coming out of that. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys later this week.